This is Harris III, the director and curator of Story, here to wish you a happy new year from all of us at Story. Story is an incredible and hopeful community of makers, creators, and storytellers who believes in the power that stories have, and we exist to inspire each other through our live conferences and local gatherings, both online and offline, to do our best, most creative work. If this is your first time listening, I'm so glad that you're here. If you're already a regular, welcome back. We're working on some big stuff for 2017 and beyond and can't wait to tell you more. For now, let's kick off the new year with some incredible advice and inspiration on this episode with the one and only Brad Montague. There are things meant for you that are currently beyond Your greatest work may not be seen by millions of people. Keep making it. To be a writer, we have to sit down and we have to do the work and we don't get up until it's finished. The only hope we have are the stories we tell. Stories not bound by what is possible. We are proud to be stories Hello, everyone. Welcome back again to another episode of the Story Podcast. I am your host, Harris the Third, and I'm laughing because I am uh, actually. I'm honestly. I'm always laughing, regardless of who is co-hosting the episode with me. Uh, this week, filling in again for Sammy while she is out traveling, uh, is more of our story team members. Kate and Kellen are back with us this hello, week. Hello, hello, hello. Um, and we've all been cracking up. Uh, because they, they keep making we keep having to like re-record over and over and over again because they keep talking to the microphones um, right when we're about to start recording about well, I haven't all seen sorts of Kellen stuff. in a while so yeah, we have a lot to talk about I, yeah we do? yeah yeah I'm I mean, gonna ask a really nerdy question um, but I need to know how Harry Potter world was <laughs> it was so good he, see he he went without me years ago and then we went Rude. I know right <clears throat> um, when it first opened and I've actually I was actually the Harry Potter fan. And he came back and he was like, so I went to Harry Potter World, but I don't know anything about Harry Potter. And uh, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I, s- right? I think I appreciated parts of it, but obviously I appreciated a lot more. If you would, I mean, had you seen the movies or anything yeah, before no, you went? No, no. How, how could you appreciate any of it? You hear it was like so like Hyped. it had infiltrated pop culture and well, like and everyone's I, like, I do you know what books, that is? So. It's like, no. Oh, and they. And they they like they're smart about it. They're like, we're gonna go. They don't just go behind the cloak of invisibility. They say, let's go hide behind our cloak of invisibility because they're smart and they know some people aren't familiar with the story and they've got to fill in the blanks for people. So, I was still able us, to figure it out. All of us, however, real fans are actually however, I will say I did <laughs> yeah. not. I did not have any butterbeer the first time I went to Harry Potter World like ten years ago, and or it wasn't ten years ago. It wasn't that long? I don't think. No, no, no there's no, no way. Uh, but no, maybe five years this ago. time, like this past week, I drank a lot of it. Was it amazing? Like, I still think I'm on a butterbeer hangover. It is pretty good. Have it's ever had really it? sweet. No. Never? No. We'll have to make some. Where, where? I think you can make some. I think you can make it. It's like we got to look it up. It's It kind of tastes like cream soda with, like, butterscotch <laughs> flavor, but it's got, like, this layer of foam on the top, and the foam is so good. That was my least favorite so part. So good. Yeah. Uh, usually, foam is not a good thing. I mean, I guess it's the whole, like... What do you mean foam is not a good thing? like, that it's foamy like beer, like, the root like beer, f- root beer Like, if you're on a root beer uh, float, yeah. obviously foam is a good thing. Like well, yeah, because that that's the ice stuff. cream. Well, that's this practically what, what this stuff is. is. Oh, okay. It's, like it's like not a, ice cream, cream, but... Cream. Yeah. Got it. It's kind of got that. That makes more sense. Yeah. 
here we are talking about butterbeer. It has nothing to do with stories. Except that. <laughs> it does, though. It's very it important does. to the it Harry does. Potter story. Kellen, you're right. It just goes to show the power of stories. Here we are talking about butterbeer. Anyways, uh, so yes, thank you for taking us off on that rabbit trail of Harry <laughs> Potter world. Um, it, it is relevant. There's a relevant thread there because our guest this week is uh, none other than the one, the only Brad Montague. He Which was love. He was the, uh, the favorite um, story speaker of 2016's conference. He's a just a favorite person in the mind of a whole lot of people. Um, and he's the creator of so many things, including Kid President, October. Uh, he's just done a lot of really cool stuff. And everything he touches us always seems to just be really liked by everyone because it embodies so much childlike wonder and whimsy. And I just really, really love the guy. And... I think if anyone could create whatever the next Harry Potter is, it's probably someone probably. like Brad Monty. <laughs> yep. The guy's a genius. Um, and so I'm really excited about this interview. Um, Brad stopped by the story offices because we were working on something really special for you guys for 2017. Um, we're going to be doing um, a full one-day workshop with Brad Montague. So we'll tell you more about that after the interview. Be sure to stay tuned for details. Um, but we have talked long enough, and so I want to get straight into this. We talked about everything from Brad's daily routine to uh, his creative process, to the, the Kid President story, how it started, where the idea came from, what the next steps were, how, he's crea- how he creates in general. So you guys are going to love this episode. Um, here I am sitting down and interviewing Brad Montague. One and only Brad Montague. There's others if you Google my name. Are there really? Yeah, they're just not me. <laughs> but there are other Brad Montagues. Yeah, I would one say your, your name is pretty unique. I don't. Montague is not. I thought so too. But but there are a bunch of them. Yeah, he makes cowboy hats. For real? Yeah, he's really nice. He gets a lot of my emails <laughs> and he sends them to me. So, That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, in the story community, people love you. They loved you this year at Story. I told you this, that you were one of the top rated speakers this year, which was no surprise. That's why I invited you to be the opening talk because I knew that you were going to absolutely crush it. And the reason why you crushed it is because you were so inspiring. Like you just inspire people to do so many things. And I think after getting to know you a little bit, I think the reason why you're inspiring to so many people is because you're constantly so inspired by so many other people and what mm. they're doing in the world. And I want to talk a little bit about that today, but before we get there, cause I'm, I think that from the outside looking at, it seems as though the things that inspire you are the things that play a role in the stuff that you make and creates a part of your creative process. But just to give everyone a little bit of context before we get there, let's go back to kind of more of the beginning. Uh, when did this all start? Were you creating things when you were a little kid? All the time. I hosted a TV show in my what? room. Yeah. This is what I love about this podcast because we keep finding out things about people <laughs> that I've known for a while and I'd find out yeah. new things. All my stuffed animals were there and yep. it wasn't aired anywhere. I just recently discovered that. <laughs> but <laughs> but I hosted a show. I, I drew comics. Uh, um, I grew up on a farm and my family um, didn't know quite what to do with this weird little redheaded kid. Um, but my teachers were really, really cool of helping um, understand why I was doodling on my tests more than actually doing the tests and why, you know, mm. and that that's what, what 
encouraged me. And that's why I love working with classrooms now and teachers. Cause that was the place where I realized like, Whoa, maybe, maybe I was made this way for some reason <laughs> Like I'm supposed to make stuff. I think, um, when did you realize that, that you were supposed to make stuff? Fourth grade. Really? I so fourth grade. There's all the a time way. that you actually remember. Tell remember, us, tell us the story about I that. Fourth grade. I remember before then every weird idea I had was just a distraction it was just like, okay, I asked you to draw this. Why didn't you draw it the right way? Or I asked you to do something and you're just talking about robots again. Like what could you just stay on task? And my fourth grade teacher was, she's, she immediately was like, you, this is really creative. Did you come up with this? Is this your story? And I was like, oh no, am I in trouble again? She's like, this is really good. And it was a thing where she, everything I did, she asked me to go take it another step further. Like, that's just hmm. a doodle. You could actually draw this and make it a whole city. Or you could take this story you came up with and write a sequel. Or, And she even went as far as to taking some of the um, stories I had written and said she wanted to mail them to Walt Disney. Wow. And, uh, uh, and so we packaged, she helped me package them up and we mailed them to Walt Disney feature animation. No way. Yeah. Did you get a response? I did. They said, we legally cannot accept <laughs> submissions. <laughs> <laughs> and, but it was, it was, I was, was so signed, proud of that letter. Was it signed by Walt? <laughs> no, he's passed away. found out. <laughs> extra so sad Like a stamp or anything like that? <laughs> It was. It did have a handwritten signature in the corner, though, from an intern or somebody. It hmm. just said, "Thank you for sharing. Please keep sharing your voice." And uh, I was so proud of that letter. I took it to school the next day. Took it everywhere, and um, I'm still kind of proud of it. You should be. It's a rejection letter, but that's incredible. I, I all the people that I look up to and respect for the art that they've created, the stories that they've told they all have stories of all the big stacks of rejection letters that they have. Yeah. You know, so many of the books that are on the New York times bestseller list, that's some, so many of them share stories of getting rejection after rejection after rejection. And it wasn't until years later sometimes until they finally figured that out. Um, how many years went by until you got the first yes letter? <laughs> Was it a long time? Well, you know, so you wait, you're in fourth grade. Fourth grade. So now yeah. you're making things. You're excited. You know. So now you're starting to believe in yourself a little bit, probably. Right. Because you're proud. Of this letter. That you got. Proud. This is going to be my fifth grade's the year where my film comes out. <laughs> I just know it. But uh, no, I, I um, I guess I, I wrestle with insecurity like everybody, mm -hmm. um, constantly thinking like, well, everybody else can make things or add to the world. That's they make that. I just. I'm going to just survive. Mm -hmm. And uh, it took a lot of growing and learning that we all have something to add to the conversation. And I'd say it was even after college when I really began to understand that, hey, actually, I have something to say. I have something of value to add to the world. Um, and so does everybody else. And uh, I'm going to join in the conversation. I'm going to join in the song and I'm going to be a little off key, but that's part of the song. So did you just grow up with the expectation of this? I'm going to, I'm going to be a maker for a living. This is going to be my job without ever questioning it. I always loved, um, like find, like I remember finding out they had, there was like a special for Charles Schultz and it was all about, uh, how they made the peanuts cartoons and the comic strips. 
And that was a moment where, whoa, there's a guy who makes things that I love. And I, I, it blew my mind. And then the more I dove in, I, I, I began to see Jim Henson behind with, with these puppets and, and then beginning, beginning to associate these makers with things that had completely captured my imagination. I was like, I don't know how you get to do that, but that's what I want to do. I, I live in a town the size of a grocery store. I, like, I, there's no way that this will ever happen. Um, and, and then the internet happened, I guess. When did kid president begin? Was that like, because I would, I would assume that you did a bunch of other stuff before that, Mm -hmm. but yet, and and we'll talk about like, I would, I would imagine there's even this, this frustration with being labeled for this being the one thing that everyone knows you about. I want to talk about that too, but just the evolution of that idea of kid president, was there stuff that you did before that? And that was like the, the breakout, the breakout hit, you know, I came on this thinking you weren't going to talk about it. And then you're like, (laughs) Well, we've talked for about two minutes. Enough of that. Uh, kid president. So I'm about most, kid I'm most interested in the timeline. The timeline, Brad. Well, when, you know, it, it, I, I, when would kids, when was kid president born? I heard this phrase of "be who you needed when you're younger," and I always knew, not exactly sure how, but that I needed to be for kids what I had, what I needed, and so that led to after graduation working in like I'm out of college I have a degree in film and um that's not true you didn't have a degree <laughs> in film no it's not film what was it you don't remember what your degree was in media arts oh whatever film we'll call media it media arts film whatever <laughs> anyway it it wasn't even degrees. It's a sheet of paper I got. Some, yeah. some guy in an alley handed it to me. It's that was really expensive, nice. though, I bet. And you had to pay a lot of money for that. Yeah, it was weird. Uh, but anyway, he gave me a sheet of paper, Media Arts. And uh, I knew I wanted to make things that were for young people somehow, some way. I hosted a TV show for in real. In college. You, Not, knew that. you knew that in college. I knew that then. Okay. I'm in, uh, I, I leave college, and I begin working for a cable station. And the job was to sell advertising um, to like, so I was going to furniture places. I was going to motorcycle shops and I was just saying, Hey, you should be on this channel and sell your ads on, on this cable network. And uh, I got a lot of no's and, um, and then I was in a bagel shop and I was talking to the guy and he, I was like, you want to buy an ad? He's like, no. And I said, yeah, you're right. You probably shouldn't. And, and then he was like, I, I really wish I could get people to come in here. And I was like, I can get people in here. I was like, have you ever thought about like having a show in here that was on TV? I could host it. And he was like, yeah, that sounds cool. How much? And so uh, I, I went back and said, hey, I didn't sell an ad, but I think I sold a TV show. And they're like, why did you do that? You, you don't have the permission to do that. But we did it. And we did uh, 50-something episodes. Wow, that's amazing. Hosting a show in a bagel shop. And it was a disaster. But it was the kind of thing where people showed up uh, because they wanted to see what would happen. They also showed up because they didn't know that we were filming. <laughs> and they just wanted a bagel. <laughs> Uh, so you'd be watching the show and I'd be interviewing the mayor of Jackson, Tennessee, and then somebody would walk by and just kind of look, not realize they're on TV. (laughs) 
but it it it, um it was where i learned how to edit write film um uh invite an audience in um i had to do everything myself that was my grad school and um a few people watched it a lot more people didn't um but there were moments that i was kind of proud of Mm um and at that time youtube wasn't in full force yet it was just kind of beginning and i think that show would have done fairly well online but i'm very glad (laughs) that it doesn't exist online because it was such a mess and it was such me learning how to communicate how to um write how to see people um how to connect with with lots of different types of people Mm -hmm. um and so from that um uh, we then created a camp. <laughs> um, we wanted to have kids uh, to use media, but then also spend more time hands-on with young people. And so the idea was to um, have a really fun event that would bring young people together. We spend time with them, and um, it be about kids who want to change the world. And that was very much uh, my heart growing up, and continues to be and um it was at that camp but spending time with all these young people who were doing things like um beginning a soup kitchen when they're teenagers or um doing all number of things in the world i really began to realize that maybe we need to listen to young people more and empower their creativity Mm -hmm. and compassion so uh it was the week after one of those camps where we, I was having a conversation with my wife and it was like, kids rule. Like we should be listening to kids. Everybody on social media is negative and yelling. And um, so the idea for Kid President was like just a side, let's just do something fun. Let's put this online. Nice. And so that was, how old were you around that time when you got the idea? Uh, oh man. Is that how many years after college? Like pretty soon? Fairly, I had been doing, I had been doing a lot of failed projects. Okay. Like everything from coloring books to performing and doing music to um, writing comics or uh, doing any number of things, and um, I was I was just mentioning earlier, but we there was a friend uh, named Jeff, and he said, "Hey man, you're really creative. You have a whole lot of ideas, but uh, you should at least do one of them." Yeah, <laughs> like. We're all waiting on you to just do one of your ideas. It was like constantly coming up with ideas, never fully engaging in doing them. And um, and so Kid President was one of those, okay, this is an idea. I should just chase this rabbit. I How long did this. you sit on it before you finally followed through? Uh, two days. Oh, wow. So <laughs> you finally moved quick. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, we had an old old record player. We had some cardboard left over from camp. Uh, Robbie is my little brother-in-law who plays kid president, and he had an Easter suit, and we, we thought no that way. would work. It was an Easter suit. It's his Easter suit, yeah. Really? And uh, we had cans everywhere, so we made a can phone and, and just thought, okay, we're going to just make this and put it online, and um, I'm going to be consistent at least during the summer and release a few and be done. But uh, it turned out to be much more than just a simple little fun idea, but instead a vehicle for every idea that we had ever done up until then. It was 
the heart and soul of what I've been trying to do and say, we suddenly could do and and it clicked. Yeah. It's interesting. I was listening to something the other day and they were talking about how, uh, create creatives and makers need to spend more time around raw materials. Um, Mm. and that's for some reason what you just said made me think of that because it's not like you said, what if we did a can phone? You just had a bunch of cans laying around and they were there and you were exposed to the raw materials. And that's probably where the idea, well, you're like, how could we use those? Um, you know, he had an Easter suit. So you're like, oh, let's make use of that. It's not like you intentionally said we want a black suit with a red tie with a white shirt, right? Yes, exactly. It's just, it happened to be exactly. what he had. So you're yeah. making use of the materials around you. And um, that's what I love about when you watch, uh, like the little rascals, you watch those old, uh, those old shorts and you see the things that they've made. They're wildly creative, <laughs> the cars and the, mm-hmm. they use kitchen utensils. And it's just like, that's more interesting than if they had just a Gone real a tiny shop. car. Yeah. yeah like, like I love that idea because that's um, uh, kind of at the heart of, of uh, what we've really tried, tried to do with everything beyond. We've tried to stay pure to that where. Uh, when he talks to somebody, even if it's okay, he's going to talk to the first lady. She has to have a can phone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're going to give her a can and string. Yeah, that's um, awesome. We had we got in one situation where he was out and he needed um, uh, uh, to talk to somebody on a on a, a can. So we did devise a mobile can phone, um, but. Uh, uh, I'm not proud of that moment. <laughs> <laughs> when was, is there, is there a moment that you think of or a story that you can tell about when you realized, Oh man, I think we're on to something. Um, that's like every, it's over and over. I'm constantly like pinching myself. Like, is this for real? Like we were in an airport one time and just happened to walk up on two people watching a kid president video. Like, wow. is this for real? <laughs> like they what is that? We were in Portland walking around and there's a street vendor who, who just has paintings he does of characters. And oh, he, he, there's one of Kid President just right there. Or we'll be in a, uh, some, some uh, uh, souvenir shop and there's a Kid President quote on a mug. I'm like, <laughs> You're like, where's my royalties? Yeah, like, what is that? <laughs> it's like a beer cozy? And it says, like, <laughs> how did this happen? Um, and It's interesting that you're choosing those the things that those are the things to name that you're not naming. <laughs> we went to the white house. We met the president. We hung out with Beyonce. Like no, th- those, none of those things are weird to you. It's the street vendor and the, it, beer it never becomes normal. It never becomes normal. And, and I consider it a constant gift, a constant reminder that isn't it wild how much further an idea can go than you ever dreamed. It, it, isn't it wild that this can happen? Just um, imagine you didn't do this on purpose. <laughs> what if? What else might be possible? Um, it's just again and again. It's these little gifts of wow, how far a silly idea can spread if it's full of love. Um, like, I was on an airplane one time, and I I think I shared this in in the talk at story. We were on an airplane. And a group of kids recognized us and and began talking to me and Robbie. And then we sit down on the plane beside this man. And he's like, so why did they recognize you? What do you do? And um, it's like, well, we we make silly videos on YouTube. It's about kids and grownups doing stuff to make the world better. And he uh, he's like, oh, that sounds interesting. I'll have to look at that. I have some daughters. 
And then he he pulls out his phone and begins showing me pictures of his daughters and says, you know, you check out this project I did with them. We we actually um, delivered socks to our shelter um, and we call it Socktober, uh, which is something we started on our channel. We, it was a, a drive that we began. Um, he had no clue. All he knew is he and his daughters went to a shelter and helped their neighbors who were homeless. And I'm sitting there wanting desperately to be like, that was my idea. <laughs> like, that was all me. I did that. But I know I didn't do that. Yeah. Um, and so I'm constantly being reminded, it doesn't matter who gets the credit. It just matters that it happened. And so as much as you can be intentional about putting things out in the world that you allow to spread, that you allow yourself to not own, but to gift to everybody so that they can spread it even further. Yeah. When did you start right away with Soul Pancake or was there we a few made, videos uh, and when did that happen? I had made about nine or ten videos and um, I thought we were real successful. <laughs> like this has gone really well. This has been fun. At that point we had had um, uh, some different articles written about this project. Uh, it had been picked up on the news. Um, and at that time there was, uh, it was during Obama's re-election uh, in that campaign cycle. And so it became a part of the political conversation. Sure. And so that was interesting to me. It was like, oh, like this fictional thing we've made is impacting the real world in some way. And it's becoming part of this conversation. And, um, and so I, I thought this is successful. We did, we, I, I actually stayed with an idea for longer than just what if we did this? Um, and I thought at the end of summer, we'll begin to wrap up. And that's when I began to get emails from different YouTube channels wanting to partner with us. And there were some crazy offers that came through. One of them was like from Shaquille O'Neal. Really? <laughs> I don't even know if he still has a channel, but at that time he that's was launching amazing. a channel. And, uh, it, I looked at some of the stuff he was wanting to do. I was like, eh, I don't want Robbie anywhere near this. Like <laughs> it'd be cool to meet Shaq. That'd be a cool image. Um, but then we got this message from this little media company called Soul Pancake. And uh, I had seen their stuff. I'd seen their book. I, of course, knew Rain Wilson from The Office. And um, I was stunned. But at the same time, I was kind of like, well, here we go again. This is just another one of those people who just are going to exploit this. And they, they want to take my idea and just, you know, do something silly with it. And instead, they, they really shared their heart of why they wanted to make things, what they were wanting to do on the Internet, which was to carve out a spot for people to have meaningful conversations about things that matter. And that's all they wanted to do and that their company had grown and that they needed more joy on the channel. And that's what we were making. And they wanted to know how they could help us. And they also asked a lot of questions about Robbie as a kid and personal about us as a family far less interested in anything else hmm. and at the end of it i was like so i can just make these and you'll upload them They're like yeah and i don't have to worry about all that other stuff no and I was like, okay we're in because it was it was just a no-brainer they just wanted more people to see it and i didn't have to worry with the stuff i wasn't good at which was actually uploading the videos properly and all that tagging and all that stuff. <laughs> Although you've, you've since probably learned a lot about I that. Have, right? I have, yeah. I have. I um, have. But it became a really great partnership because um, it was exactly in line with what they were wanting to put out and what 
I had been dreaming of doing myself. Yeah. And so I would imagine like we just went through another election season. Did, did that lead to another whole boost of influence and conversations surrounding kid president? And yes, it, it, it's interesting how, um, that brings us together at a time when it also divides us. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I sort of was of the mind that, I mean, we've continued making videos and continue to build an audience around what we do, regardless of what's happening in the world that people will check in. But I, I had no clue how needed these little things we were making would, would be. And, um, and so some of the older videos we had made that were about how to get along actually came back up. People mm-hmm. began sharing them again. Um, this video we had done, um, uh, the, this pep talk came back out again. Another video we did where he talks about Dr. Martin Luther King, um, came, uh, people began digging that one out and sharing it. And then our newer videos were being passed around a lot. And, um, and it was really interesting to sort of see people, um, find what I'd been trying to make, um, and find it and share it in a new way. Um, with in a new context of what all is happening and the conversations going on. Totally. How long, uh, how much time do you spend on each one of those videos? Um, it, it depends if he's behind the desk. Um, then I can finish that one in about a week. Um, but if we go out, it, it takes longer. Um, I have kids now, so I used to could stay up all night and edit. And I know some people do that, uh, but I just can't. And so it takes, I'm a very slow editor and I know some people, but we have to edit every single word. And, and I want, and, and I've also realized that YouTube, these things are out there forever. So I'll see a video I made early on. And I'm like, oh no, I, I didn't. So much better now. I should have done this. And, this, and so I, I'm very much aware that these things are going to, be out there for a while so I spend way more time than I probably should yeah what does the time look like what time do you wake up in the morning what time do you go to bed <laughs> tell us about your daily routine my ideal routine would be I'm up early and I have time to to read and meditate <laughs> that's all of our ideal routine <laughs> but I have a three-year-old and <laughs> an almost two-year-old and uh, uh we're in so, the exact same season man yeah Judah's three and Everly's ah, almost two. It's a blast, right? Yeah. yeah. It is a blast. Except for the lack of sleep, that part. I'm on their schedule, though. Yeah. I, I try to, like, I've tried to get up earlier than them and all that, but then it's just me being tiptoeing around the house <laughs> and trying to not bother them. <laughs> but I, we have a little, um, a little creative space, and so I try to get in there as early as I can once they're up and they've had breakfast. And... Um, and first things first is I try to focus on the making part and I spend as much time in the morning editing as I can and um, unless it's a season where I'm needing to write and then the rest of the afternoon is maintenance. It's all email and everything What else. time? Are the, is there a typical time in the afternoon that you're starting maintenance? Uh, right after lunch, right after lunch, if, uh, and I, I um, unless I'm still in the unless I'm still in it. If I can mentally still be in there, then I'm still writing and making. But at that point I've realized I'd, my energy is probably better spent interacting with people and interacting yeah. with, um, the response to what I've made. Yeah. Um, and, 
uh, and so I, I try to use the very first part of the day as actually jumping right in because that's what I'm most excited to do is to get up and continue that conversation and continue to like oh I really 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 really, really want to share this with the world today and so that's what drives me into the office and as with as much gusto as I can do that I yeah. want to um, and and to be focused on not letting my emails control my day, not let social media control my day, but instead my heart and what I'm really wanting to share with people to mm-hmm. kind of take the, is there a, is there a quitting time for you where you, because I'm sure it's tempting when you're, you can just walk from your creative space to your house. Yeah. Is there like, I'm always done no matter what's happening or how the creativity's flowing. I'm always done at this time, no matter what. I I've always want to be home for dinner and, okay. um, uh, so that's, that's one thing that I, I don't regret at all. I, in that I, lo- I, um, I'm sorry. I'm pausing. I was tr- I was trying to get my thought. It's okay. It's okay. Pause <laughs> as long as you need. Well, like I talked about this at story a little bit in that, um, there's a line in the kid president pep talk that says, uh, it's all of the inspirational. What if Michael Jordan had quit? You can't quit. You got to keep going. Uh, because if he wouldn't, have, if he hadn't have quit, if he had have quit, he would have never made space jam. And, um, what will be your space jam? You know, what will you create to make the world more awesome? It's real mm-hmm. inspirational. And that actually is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> 39 million people have seen that and I'm like oh no like that's really bad advice uh, one guy messaged and said he quit his job after watching the prep talk like uh, uh, several other people have messaged you know really inspired them to do things and I, I, there's a lot in that video that I am proud of but that sentence what will be your space jam has haunted me because I'm like did I make it was that pep talk my space jam? Do I have to just make something else? Mm-hmm. And one of the big things that I've learned and been learning since then is that it's not about what you make. It's about making your life your space jam. <laughs> like it's not, it's not, that sounds ridiculous, but you're, it's not what you make doesn't make you. Mm-hmm. And so as much as I love writing and, and creating things at the end of the day it's my life my relationships those people next to me that's what matters most and so um i love being able to finish the day early and be with my kids and be with my wife and cat your cat (laughs) you ever you're a cat guy yeah i'm allergic to cats too it's a disaster really yeah do you like let it sit on your lap and stuff, even though you're allergic? Terrible, I know, but I love cats. <laughs> their little faces and their paws and noses. So that's why you draw a lot of cats on things. I do, yeah. That's what it is. But I'm allergic to them. Yeah, every every handwritten note you've ever sent me, which is something <laughs> you're great at, by the way. Uh, no, actually, no, they always have the little, uh, is it you with the hat? It's is either, yeah, you either draw a little guy with a hat or, or a, a cat. A cat. <laughs> it depends. It's usually if I messed up. <laughs> You turn the guy into a I cat. I turned it into a cat. That's a fact. That's so funny. That's so funny. No, I began sharing these poems online, and and I was writing these poems 
because I just had to. And, and I couldn't, I couldn't like bring myself to sign them or have them be from me. So I just began like drawing this little cat and saying he wrote it. <laughs> so that was easier. So the poem from the cat. Yes. That made more sense. So to then me. if people don't like it, oh, it's the cat's fault. Yes. Or if they did like it, then, the Hey, cat. I really know that cat. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's my friend. That's a constant thing. I, I'm like, even the kid president stuff. It's almost like I'd rather him say it than me. Like I'm hiding. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out how to not hide anymore. I'm hiding behind this this kid present. I'm hiding behind a cat drawing. Yeah. I'm trying to trying to not hide. Man, I love that. You said something really key there. You said, <clears throat> "I write these little poems because I have to. Yeah. You can't not do it, <laughs> right?" Um, and it takes me back to I remember we were loading in for story uh, for 2016. You know, it's my first year doing this conference. It's been going on for a long time. And there was just so much insecurity. Like, are people going to like the conference that we've created? I know of the new guy. And um, it was like 4 a.m., you know, doors open like three hours later, something like that. And we're still, like, making sure everything's perfect in the lobby and the theater. And uh, on the way back, I texted um, our live producer, Seth, and I was like, I'm so tired. Why, why are we doing this again? Um, and I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, because we can't not do it. Exactly. And, and I'm like, he's right. We can't not do this because once you start going down that path and you fall in love with the idea, you just realize that it has to be done. We have to do this. Do you have any advice in that area for those who are listening? Like, what does it, what does it mean if we have ideas that we think are awesome, but for some reason we can sit on them because it's an interesting question because earlier you said your friend's advice was, Hey, you've got a lot of really great ideas. You need to just do one, but yet you're writing poems now because you can't not. Mm-hmm. So what's the difference between those two things? Well, there's, there's something when you see somebody doing something because they just can't not do it. It's, it's, it's compelling. It, it's, there's something about it. even today. I ate this restaurant, um, in town and the guy running the restaurant I was just this guy's doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing because he, he was he didn't have to be um, like he was going around picking up trash and doing things and talking to people I was like he is like loving this he's loving this um, and it's a burrito place like this is not a nonprofit. this is not like I don't I could not be passionate about running a burrito place, but that's not my place. <laughs> like he, and yet I, I was so inspired by seeing him do his work. And, and there's something about regardless of what field or area, when you see somebody who's just like so full of passion, you, it, it, there's something really special about that. Mm-hmm. And, um, there are times like our, our workshop where um, my wife and I make stuff is is in an area of our town. We live in a really small town, and there's like an auto body shop. There's a uh, another's like a, a co-op uh, for farmers. It's it's all like guys working with their hands and just you know fixing cars and doing hard doing actual labor. And I'm like, we're gonna make some videos. <laughs> but but it, it's it, I like being in that area because it makes me approach my work as hmm. it's not this precious thing. It's something I'm doing that 
I go in and I work and I make and I um, leave. And yet, at the same time, it's that balance of I am so passionate about this. I am doing it because I absolutely have to do it. But I also do it when I don't want to do it. <laughs> I also do it on those days where I'm just not feeling it. Yeah. Like uh, the Kid President book, um, I wrote when I was so burnt out. Like, and they were like, we need a really encouraging book. And I'm like, <laughs> I do too. I need an encouraging <laughs> book right now. I can't do this. But we, we still did it. And, and I worked hard through it. And I feel like I'm full again. And I could write a much better book now. But I just kept working. Why were you burned out? We had just done a TV show. Don't do a TV show, kids. <laughs> it's a trap. That's our podcast, everybody. Thank you guys so much for listening. You heard it right here. It's Creative advice from Brad Montague. It's a trap. Don't do a TV show. It's a trap. No, we have been doing I'm, I'm pretty sure you, you just spent like four hours in our offices here talking about doing a TV show. I know. I'm, I'm trying to pitch TV shows again, and I don't know why. It's a trap. I'm being trapped. It must be because you can't not do it. Ah. But the thing is, we have this community online we're able to connect with immediately. There's zero uh, rules about what I can put on, how mm -hmm. I do it. And then you move to TV and suddenly, instead of it just being me and Robbie, there's like 30 people. <laughs> and, and they're going like, oh, can we, how do we make this look like your handwriting? Like, I can handwrite it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, know, you don't need to do that right now. I always handwrite it. We've got this font. It kind of looks like your handwriting. No, let me do it. And we made this room look like his bedroom. Like, we always film in our, can we just, no. Um, but then, you know, uh, we end up with something that we're, a lot of people work really, really hard on, and then it gets edited and filtered yeah. through, and, and and you have zero control over how it's presented and, and um, you can't really communicate with the people you're making it for. Um, and so we, I felt like we really lost uh, the spirit of the what and why we were doing it. And yeah. so I was like, we've got to go back to the internet. We've got to go back. So we did. Yeah. And now you're toying with going the other way. This is interesting. It's uh, I'm watching a lot of creators right now go through this process. You know, Casey was one of our speakers at 2016. He, uh, you know, a lot of people know him as the vlogger. He's like the YouTube guy, right? A lot of people don't realize that he was like an award-winning filmmaker, right? And it was interesting because he left doing his show on HBO for that reason, I think, because he's like, man, I just really want creative control. I just want to do what I want to do. And that was the attractiveness of YouTube. He just quit his vlog. It's going to be interesting to see. I shouldn't say he quit it. He stopped doing it. It's not like quitting sounds so negative. Like oh, I'm quitting doing this. He ended it. Ended it. That's a better way of saying it. It's going to be interesting to see what he does next. But you know, it's interesting that you, you went away from that to do YouTube because you maintained your creative control, which obviously turned out to be a wise decision. And now you're like flirting with the idea again of going back. Right. But, uh, you know, but at the same time, I'm going and sharing these things that I've poured my heart into and, and you present it to a room full of people and then they go, eh. <laughs> or, or it's like, we really like it, but, well, you know, could we change this? Could we do this? 
And um, is there ever a party that's like, you know, more people watch that show than the show you guys created, right? Just because it's on YouTube. <laughs> and <laughs> we have I, just as many viewers. <laughs> but it's 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 also teaching me now to okay, maybe I need to continue doing. I mean, nobody gave me permission to make you president. You just did it. And so everything now, a lot of the things that I have been pitching on TV, I'm like, okay, we're just gonna make it because we can't not do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're just going to do this. And so um, we are launching a channel and I'm really excited about um, creating and sharing new things with the world. That's awesome. What, uh, what kind of experiences have you had in terms of people labeling you as like, Oh, he's just a YouTuber, you know? Cause I, I was a little surprised how many people came to story that didn't know again, not to refer to Casey too much, but they thought he was just a YouTuber. Um, without knowing about his filmmaking background and that it's always, it's always weird to me when I hear somebody say things like that, like, like, Oh, I thought he was quote unquote, just a YouTuber. <laughs> Has that been a source of contention for you? Is there times where you're just like, come on, I want to be taken seriously and I don't want to be just a guy that makes yeah, stuff for well, YouTube. You, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of that, that way with everybody where you have to realize, uh, you have grace with people where you say, okay, well, Obviously, not every person can know the bio- the biography of each person. Like, I don't have, you know, they don't necessarily know that um, I've won this award and I've done this. Sure. And, um, and so I realized that I, I don't know that about every person. And so you realize that people run into you and they're just like, oh, you're that guy who helps out kid president. And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm Robbie's personal assistant. No. Um, one kid said, mom, that's kid president's bodyguard. I'm like, no, no, I, you'd, I would be do a poor job of protecting him. I'm not. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's taught me a lot about how we view celebrity. I mean, we meet a lot of people who, um, will treat him like an internet meme and not a person. Um, or ask him for advice. We get a lot of emails to this character. Um, and then some people who, who um, have an idea of who I am or they don't understand that this is one of many projects I've made mm-hmm. um, and it just happened to click. Um, uh, or they think there's a big team behind it and, and that's not true. <laughs> like that... It's, it's, um, there are some lovely people who've helped out along the way, but, um, it's most days it's one man band in it and trying desperately to turn a video around on time. It's, that's, that's it. Yeah. So now I want to ask what a lot of people are wondering, you know, how, how do you figure out the lifespan of an idea like this? Because you're working with a kid. The character is this kid who's growing up pretty, it seems like pretty quickly now, right? <laughs> Like, how do you, do you struggle with some of that? Like wondering, what do I, what do I do? And when, how long do I keep this thing going on? Every time I thought it was going to end, it didn't. Uh, I thought, um, okay, at the end of summer, this is it. Like we're done. And then we team up with Soul Pancake. And I thought, okay, well then after the election, it's over. And then the pep talk went viral. And then I was like, okay, well then after this subsides, it'll end. And yet the audience continued to grow and grow. And I've always known he won't always be a kid. 
and I don't want him to always be a president. Um, so, but I do know we'll always be a family. And as part of that, spending time together and making things and attempting to inspire and encourage people is a part of our family culture. So somehow that's always going to happen. But we are hitting this point where I'm ready to transition to expressing that in a different way. Mm-hmm. And Robbie and I are still having fun and he still likes doing it, but he doesn't like getting dressed like like wearing the suit and like that's literally the hardest part he just doesn't want to put the suit on and um he's like do i have to wear pants dude come on am i gonna be behind the desk no one's gonna see my legs anyway and i mean and but um i'm i'm very very excited about um doing something completely new that allows him to find more of his voice and uh, that allows me to express these ideas yeah. in, in new and different ways. Yeah. And so there's a bit of uncertainty of what that's going to look like, whether or not people will care. Um, but again, we're not trying to make a space jam. We're trying to make our life yeah. a space jam. You know, I just realized this just now hit me when it goes back to that question about like TV versus YouTube. When you don't have that room full of 30 people, when you don't have that TV executive there to make the decision to cancel the show, it's all on you. Like no, mm-hmm. no one's telling you, Hey, we're canceling. That was the last season. So it's up to you, which is, I think really hard because we're, we all are, some of these ideas are like our babies. Right. And it's like, we don't want to throw our baby out on the street. So it's like, how do we know when to, you know, how do you know when to stop? Like, uh, ah, that's really hard. Yeah. And you know, one thing that it would almost be easier if someone was making the decision for you, well, I think I was of the mind that this, um, this past spring we were going to end like this was (laughs) a while back we even filmed a thing where he's announcing hey this is kind of the end and i'm wrapping up and we re-edited that completely where he gives a press conference where he basically says nothing and that kind of became the joke (laughs) but but that's because we cut out where he announced that this is the final thing and that was because we began to as school was launching back in our audience of teachers and classrooms were still so invested in sharing every single thing we did and making it part of their classroom conversation that we felt this duty to continue serving them. And so a lot of the content we then made that we've made the past little bit has, has this last stretch has all been in a large way educator driven. So it's been, teachers who've been telling us we're talking about this or we're struggling with this we're dealing with this in our classroom do you have a video about this and and that's what's guided that stuff yeah i know you're a really humble guy and so this will be hard for you to say i'm going to ask you to and maybe and i can hear you already going well i didn't know that was going to be the case it was all accidental i get that but you're a really smart guy and so in hindsight looking back i think you've probably learned the answer to this question and in, in maybe a sentence, why is kid kid president so genius? Why why is this idea so brilliant? Why did it explode and become so huge? Did it tap into something? We all forget that we were kids. We all forget that we still, in some way, are still kids. 
And one of the most important things I think we could do is to remember that at some point we were all children. And it's this great unifier. Uh, and and it, it reminds us of who we truly are at our deepest core, what really matters to us, who, are, who we are, who we could be. And it's this great empathy builder of looking at somebody and remembering that they have birthdays and that there's people that celebrate them on their birthdays, that they were a child. Um, I think that's, uh, um, not to get too deep with it, but that's what I always think about and, and why I think it's easier for people to do an interview with a child and harder for them to do. Like the, we've done interviews now with heads of state and um, best-selling authors and rock stars, and they giggle and they are awkward and they get really nervous and they say things like, "Oh, I don't, I don't." Like they get, um, oh, it's funny to see them because because it's the the child is going to be very honest and and they actually have to engage and be silly and be vulnerable. And so it's refreshing to see them remember what it's like to be a, a child. And um, I think we're all longing to um, remember. And so that's yeah. important to do. I think what proves that point is during all those times, no matter who he's talking to, Robbie is always, he just seems like a kid. Yeah. He's no like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm talking to Beyonce right now. He's never impressed. It's just, it's just Robbie. <laughs> yeah. I love that about kids. We've worked very hard to shield him from a lot of the celebrity and a lot of the attention. Like he doesn't read the fan mail. He doesn't um, hmm. see the online comments. Um, the only messages he hears are the ones where we share of how this impacted somebody, inspired them to do good or inspired. So that his takeaway is not that I'm really incredible kid. <laughs> Everybody should always listen to me and give me things. Yeah. But instead, I hope his big education has been in the impact you can have with your life. Totally. And, um, and so that's, that's been our, our hope and prayer all throughout. Yeah. And everything that you've done has had impact. Tell us more about some of these other ideas. A lot of people know you for kid president, but there's so many other really cool stuff that you've done. Uh, it's October. You mentioned that one, right? Yeah, we, we were laughing that. earlier. <laughs> you and I were exchanging, uh, stories of interacting with, uh, Seth Godin. Yeah. Uh, are we allowed to, are you willing to tell that story? We had started this, uh, a few years before kid president. We started a sock drive and then it grew to be sort of an, happening in different parts of the country. And I was like, this is really cool. It's spreading. And we did a drive online that was, um, hey, um, we're going to build a shelter um, for men and women who are homeless. And um, if you'd like to donate, you can do this here. And an email came in, and it was from Seth Godin. <laughs> like, <laughs> surely this is this has got to be a different Seth Godin. It was actually his email, and uh, it was unreal. Uh, yeah. It was uh, he he's the nicest guy. Yeah, and he sent you some socks. He sent, no, he sent money to build, help build a shelter. Oh, that's awesome. And he just said, I, anytime I see something online that uh, is adding value to it, I, I, I want to support it. Did he, did he email you with the assumption of you knowing who he was? Or was he like, hi, my name is Seth Godin. I no, write books No, he and didn't stuff. email. He just donated. Ah. I, had to, I saw the donation come in with the email. I was like, wait a second. How does he know who we are? And so I, I, I was scratching my head. It's amazing. Some of the people that have ended up in your path. It's really incredible. Uh, talk to me. Are you willing to tell everybody what you're trying to pull off 
with the Guggenheim. Wait, will it be done? <laughs> Probably by the time the podcast. So it's I'm it's like somewhat may, secretive because of what you're trying I to do. Might so be in a bit of trouble. By I the think time you'll you'll already do it. Yeah, so, so you will have already tried to pull this off, yeah, and you so, may be in prison by the time this podcast <laughs> episode goes. On. So this could be evidence. This if something is, goes bad, we'll delete it from the server. I'll be careful. <laughs> so I'm speaking at an event that's happening in the Guggenheim, <laughs> and I had this this thought that that throughout history, one of like the great like crimes is to to smuggle art out of a museum. <laughs> And it's like such a cartoon villain, you know, with the mustaches. They always do that. But nobody ever smuggles art in. And so I thought, you know, so much of what I want to do is amplify the voices of kids and amplify hope. It'd be really cool if kids could send me artwork that's filled with hope. What do they think hope looks like? And I'm going to smuggle it into the Guggenheim so that all these children can then say, I've had my work shown at the Guggenheim. (laughs) It's on their resume. And so I I posted a thing out online. I've got over 100 submissions right now. That's incredible. Beautiful stuff. Um, One kid did this painting that says... Wait, wait, you you already put out on the internet that you're trying to smuggle art? Yeah, and I I put a video online and shared... (laughs) And uh, I've been getting responses. You're a brave man. Well, and I already did hear back from the Guggenheim. <laughs> so they're like, your event's canceled. You can, you're not welcome here. They're just, they just they encourage me to tread lightly. <laughs> so we'll see what that means. But I'm determined. There's so many beautiful, this is beautiful art. The one kid's in a painting that says, hope is where we are. Wow. That's the best sentence. And... I'm like, yes, I want you wait, buddy. I'm going to make sure that you can say this has been shown at the Guggenheim, even if it's me holding it up and saying, hey, look at this. Yeah, that's that's worth risk going to prison over, I think. <laughs> Hope is where we are. That's amazing. And uh, you're doing the listening tour, which has been yeah. fun to follow. Tell us about that. So uh, I was writing a book for kids. And realized that I was not writing the book because I wanted to write a book, but because I just wanted to go on book tour. (laughs) Because we had done a book tour. We went to all these schools and I just, I loved every second of it. And so then I was like, well, I also want to stay home. So this isn't going to work. And then I, I realized, well, maybe I could Skype with these classrooms. And then I realized that maybe they, these kids don't need to hear from me, but I need to hear from them. So we turned it into a listening tour. And so I've been Skyping with third, fourth, and fifth grade classrooms. From The goal was to get all 50 states. And so over 1,000 classrooms applied. And so it's now open worldwide. And wow. we've been Skyping with just some really all different types of classrooms. Some of them are homeschooled. Some are um, ones, a group of, uh, uh, they're fourth graders, and they're in Minnesota, and they're Hmong refugees. 80% of the classroom are refugees, and they're in Minnesota. So it's a really uh, a diverse group, and um, they're telling me things about what they're hopeful for, what they're afraid of, uh, and I ask them um, how I can be a better grown-up, and they tell me. <laughs> it's really cool. You love, I love how you opened some of your story content this year. Uh, you called it Operation Be a Better Grown-Up. Yes. Right? That's my life. Tell us what you meant by that idea for those who missed your talk, that story. Um, I, I think that 
one of the best things we could all do is is to not just try to be you know we want to like be the best versions of ourselves or whatever but I'd like to be the kind of grown-up I needed when I was 10 Hmm. like how can I be a better grown-up and I think that that invites me to um, listen to children more to be more childlike to not just smile at kids I see in a grocery store, but to actively work to make life better around them in our community, creating things, amplifying their voices, listening to them. Um, What all does that mean? And so um, I'm finding it has a whole lot to do with being more like a child, being a better grown up. Pretty loud siren. (laughs) (laughs) I'm waiting to see if it's going to come down the street or not. Oh man, you, you have inspired so many people, um, around the world. You've inspired so many of us a story this year. Um, you inspire me. Like it's just such an unbelievable honor to be your friend. And every time I hang out with you, I'm just Mm. in awe of your creativity and just your desire to, you, you embody so much of that idea that we talked about a story this year about restoring order with by helping people reimagine a different way. I think that's what makes story, the story community so special is that we all believe that stories matter and that they have the power to sh- change the way people think and the way they see things. And um, that's what I love. It sounds about so cliche to like no. be like, ah, oh, stories change the world. But it, while it sounds cliche, what if it's true? What if stories really do change the world? That's what I loved about um, being at the event in that was surrounded by so many people who were constantly telling stories of things that were happening in in their their communities like when you when you talk with jason jaggard who was there like i i he i could just sit and listen to him all day long (laughs) of sharing of what's happening in communities how it's sparking good everywhere yeah it's just um there's something powerful about a community of creative people who are intentional um and and i i think it's that 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 intersection of intention and imagination where the imagination is like anything is possible anything is possible and the intention is like this is what we want to have happen this Mm -hmm. is the the possible we want to create and um when you really see people living intentionally with imagination um that's 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 you can't look away. I agree, man. I think, uh, I think if you like a spark, you're like a match. Mm. Um, I, I gave, I was in Minneapolis this weekend giving a talk with Jason, actually Jason and I were both speaking at the same conference and they asked me to give a talk on the role of wonder and imagination, uh, in leadership. Cause it was a leadership conference. And the more I thought about it, imagination is this thing that we put to work after we begin to wonder what if, what if we could do this? let's start imagining what that might look like. Right. And so I think wonder is a catalyst for change. So get making people wonder, wonder is like a match. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, like so many organizations and communities or companies or churches or not, they're like buckets of water. And the moment someone begins to wonder something, everyone comes in and they're just like, well, that's not possible. Or how are we going to do that? Uh, because they're, they're misusing their imagination. All they're doing is worrying about all the things that could go wrong or what people are going to think. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people will say 
the world has lost or grownups have lost their ability to use their imagination. I don't think that's true. I think they're just worrying they're, they're which worry is just a misuse mm. of your imagination, right? It's not, they're not using it. They're just using it in the wrong way. Yes. And so when I look at the stuff that you do to me, it's, it embodies that idea. You are that, that little creative spark, that catalyst that makes people wonder and go, Hmm, what if, and I love that you always combine the word wonder with the word whimsy because <laughs> so much of what you do has that whimsical childlike feel to it. And, it reminds us of what's possible and it turns us into little kids again. And if you can turn us into little kids, maybe we can tap back into that childlike wonder and imagination. And then the things that you're doing to inspire, they have this trickle down effect, right? Because now, you know, kid president is inspiring all these other kids, all these people that are donating socks are going, well, what else could we do? And they're doing other things on their own. And it's just really incredible to watch. And so all that said, I think we have, we have a ton to learn from you. We want to continue to learning from you, to learn from you. We're thankful that you're a friend of story. Uh, for those of you listening, I did, I'm putting you on the spot here. I'm going to ask you, I don't know if you have an answer for this question yet, cause we're still working on it. But I asked Brad if he would, uh, lead some story workshops in the spring of 2017. And so that's why he's here in Nashville. Well, not the only reason, but while you were here in Nashville, you could stop by the office so that we could talk about that idea. Um, are we far enough along? Do you feel like we can give people a glimpse of what they might walk away from that workshop learning? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I attend so many different events and I left story just sideswiped by inspiration, just completely ready, reinvigorated to make things. And, and at the same time, there were all these people who, um, were like-minded who are sending me messages and sharing about what they're doing in their communities or what they're having, um, so cool. happen. And I was like, this, this, these are my people. <laughs> and, awesome. and so when you were like, Hey, what if we did, what if we did this again? Um, I was like, I don't know what it is. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. But the more we're talking, I, 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 you know, we've, we talked about these workshops and the idea of spending a day with, uh, a, a group of people who want to make something with intention and with imagination. Um, how do we do that? And how can we do that together? And so I'd like the, to uh, um, make it a time where we have a lot of fun and laugh and at the same time learn a lot from each other. And so yeah. um, I'm probably going to have to because I think you're wanting to do like all day. Yeah, yeah, like start in the morning and then in the evening, and maybe we throw a party afterwards. So I don't know. We'll figure, have to call. we'll nail down the schedule. Uh, you have <laughs> so to call I'm going to call in the reserves to help me out. <laughs> but I, you know, are I, you I, saying I, we'll have some surprise guests potentially? Have to, have to. Love it's it. not a party if there's not surprises. <laughs> surprise guests. Because I've, I've done some workshops before, and and I love doing them because you get to spend a lot of time, you know, with people and and. Um, uh, I think you get to go a little bit deeper and I think that's really where the good stuff happens. Um, but this is going to be even cooler because we actually get to be with, um, kind of some of this creative community that we've been interacting with. Yeah. Um, so I want to make it extra good. So love it. And we'll so if see. they come like, well, obviously we'll do some practical how to instructional stuff on how to, how to make great films and videos with just the basics, how to make it look great and be professional, but it's so much filmmaking is so much more. It's so much yeah, deeper I mean, than that. Like, right. Cause we could talk gear, but honestly, like that's not that interesting to me. I can share with you what I use and mm -hmm. what a lot of, um, filmmakers I know use. 
Um, we, we can have some out, but um, I, I'm really interested in how you can make something great with very little resources, how you can make something great with um, uh, a, a small camera, uh, a small group of people. Um, if it's packed with uh, a message full of uh, love, I think I think that there's there's. It's how to tell stories that matter. Yes. Really. Yeah. Yes. Instead of just making something that looks cool. Yeah. And there's a lot of different people that that's relevant to, whether you're someone working for a cause or a nonprofit or um, you work at some sort of faith community or a corporation and you're trying to get some sort of message out there. It's, I'm ready to like, I, I, I just, I just made a video that I sent to my soul pancake, my fellow soul pancakers uh-huh. that, that make videos that was like a rally cry because I think our it's time for the creative people to get to work. I think it's time. There's a lot of uncertainty and there's a lot of divisive conversations. And I think this is the time we've been practicing for. And I'm ready to rally a group of people and let's joyfully rebel against how things are and present the world as it could be. Let's let's do it. So that's. That's what I'm excited about. Let's let's get let's get the team together, put on a show. Man, I can't think of a better way to end. This is what we've been practicing for. Yeah. Time for the joyful rebellion. That's it. Man, thank you. Thank you. Brad. I know I keep saying that over and over and over again. I wish he lived like next door to me in my house. He would right? be like the perfect neighbor so we could hang out with him all the time. Next door. <laughs> I just, he's so enthusiastic about everything in life and it's just, it like oozes out of him and it's contagious and you can't help but just smile and laugh the whole time you're with him. He just joy pours out of that guy, as does creativity. Um, and my favorite part of the interview, I know this sounds super basic, but I'm going to, I'm actually going to steal his, uh, daily routine for a while and see how that works for me. I've been looking for one and I've, I enjoy listening and finding out about the daily routines of a lot of other creative people. Um, but I really like that he doesn't touch email. Usually, usually I try to like touch email right away and get it out of the way so that I can spend the rest of my day working on creative tasks. And it just hasn't been happening for me because as I'm working on email, it just gets out of control and more and more and more comes in. Um, and because I, I travel and tour full time, the days that I'm off the road, um, because I'm not waking up for a 5 a.m. flight, I'm like, okay, now's my chance to catch up on sleep, and I'm usually waking up around the time that my kids wake up, and then I'm spending the morning with my kids and not rolling into the office until like 9 or 10 o'clock that day. And so, yeah, mornings have not really been a creative time for me, but I think I'm going to start making whatever it is. If I come in at 5 a.m. in the morning and I get up early <laughs> to try to get some creative hours in, or if I sleep until 10, I'm going to start trying to just make creative time in the morning. And then after lunch, take care of business. Take care of business. Yeah, we, need some, ma- we need some TCB logos up around this, <laughs> the office. You guys don't, Kellen doesn't even know what that is, do you? No. She's too young. Mm-hmm. It's Elvis. It's an Elvis. It's TCB with the little lightning Oh, thing. the lightning. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I got TCB. You. Take I care of business. I didn't know it was Elvis. I mean, I love Elvis. Yeah. Let's not talk about Elvis. That's my fault. <laughs> Rabbit trail. Let's talk about Brad. I know. I have like... Notes. Notes. <laughs> Kate's page of notes. You took a lot of notes during that interview. He was so good. He was good. Well, and I like it kept going back 
in my in my head going back to his talk at story mm-hmm. especially like the first little chunk of it where he's talking about rejection and just getting you know getting rejection letters from Disney as a fourth grade you know just stuff like that um, and him talking about all the things at story like listing off everything that he couldn't do and I, and it resonates with people definitely resonated with me because you just go oh yeah that's totally me like, yeah, yeah, that's me. And I think we let those things creep in and we let that rejection creep in and then it kills our creative process. Sure. So just just hearing somebody else kind of make it very lighthearted mm-hmm. and, and to even know, like, dude, you met the president, you met Beyonce, like all of these things, there's there's no can't or rejection in that. So Absolutely. There's clearly some things that he's super capable of and that other people can be super capable of. I even like him talking about how the kid president idea started. It, it felt so like accidental and nonchalant. It's like, what'd you do? Oh yeah. We just found a little can and a suit and like put a, <laughs> put my little cousin behind a desk. He makes it and made seem a so video. easy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Meanwhile, everyone else is like, how do I, how do I create the next, whatever the next mm-hmm. kid president is? It seems uh, like one of the things that he's really great at is, um, one of the things he says towards the end is that we forget that we were kids. Um, and that we still are kids. And he has like totally 100% tapped into his inner child, which mm-hmm. is what makes him so likable and lovable totally. and brilliant because he's not overcomplicating anything. So when he says things like kid president, yeah, we just put a kid behind a cardboard box <laughs> with a tin can. With a string. It's brilliant because it's so basic. It doesn't have to yeah. be this elaborate minority report looking mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. So. And along those same lines, one of the um, my favorite things that he said was, "Be you needed when you were younger," and it's so funny because I was at dinner last night with some friends, and someone brought up that same quote, and it's just really powerful when you think about as a kid what you needed at that time. And I love that his fourth grade teacher was so encouraging to him as a creative because I I feel like some of that's being lost in this day and age. Totally. And so I just loved hearing that from an adult and someone that has a voice in our social media world of really pouring into kids and creativity. And I just think it's so important. So it was really great to hear that. Yeah. He's a genius. And that's why we're doing workshops with him. You guys we're so excited to tell you about this. We've been uh, working on this for honestly, ever since the moment that Brad stepped off stage this past story conference. And uh, we're excited to finally reveal some of those details. We're going to be releasing an entire description about what the workshop is going to be, what you can expect to learn. But if you are a creator or a storyteller of any kind, I promise this is going to be an unbelievable amount of value for you to spend a day from 9 a.m. in the morning to 5 p.m. in the evening with Brad Montague uh, and just learning from all of his um, all of his work and all of the experience that he's gained by launching so many different projects successfully. We're going to be doing them in two different cities. Uh, we know Story left Chicago a few years ago. We have not forgotten about Chicago, so we are coming back. We're going to be coming back to Chicago on March 31st. One day workshop with Brad Montague in Chicago at Workshop Chicago. Which is an awesome space. Very properly named. Very awesome space. We did a local gathering there uh, on March 31st. And we're going to do one right here in Nashville, Tennessee on March 24th. That's the Friday before. So Nashville, Tennessee on March 24th. Chicago on March 31st. If you want to learn more details um, and pre-register for that workshop, all you got to do is head over to storygatherings.com forward slash workshops. Storygatherings.com forward slash workshops. Or just go to the story website. It's pretty easy. You click on 
gatherings and click on workshops. It's easy to find. And just for our story podcast listeners, uh, we appreciate you guys tuning into this and sticking around at the end of the episode. Uh, if you go to register for one of the two workshops with Brad, either Nashville or Chicago, you can enter the coupon code story podcast. That is story podcast. At the time of recording, we have not decided. Feels like juicy and mysterious. We have not decided <laughs> what your discount will be. We're trying to figure out how, uh, just how much money we can, we can, uh, how much of a discount we can offer you guys. And so, I mean, either way though, you, you will not want to miss no, Brad. I, if you've never seen Brad live or heard Brad speak, he is fantastic. Yes. This is going to sound like I'm trying to be salesy and dramatic. Um, I, like, and I know not everyone can do this and this would be a stretch for me during certain seasons, but I would pay a few thousand dollars. There's, this is easily one of those types of workshops that people go to and pay anywhere from one to $3,000. Those kind of workshops are taking place every day in creative communities across America. Um, and this is going to be crazy inexpensive <laughs> for you guys. Um, well under the budget. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I hired Brad to come in and just spend a day with me, helping me with my own personal brand and my own content that I'm consistently trying to create and help me shape some of the stories that I'm telling, that would easily be worth a price tag of a few thousand dollars for me. And when you guys find out how much you can attend this workshop for, you're literally going to be shocked. Uh, this is going to be unbelievable. And I think they're going to sell out very quickly. So stay tuned for that. Again, storygatherings.com forward slash workshops. And just to make it even more tempting, type in story podcast as a coupon code and we'll give you a further discount. Nashville, March 24th, Chicago, March 31st. You can keep in touch with Brad at the Brad Montague. I think that's everything, right? On Twitter and Instagram, all those places. It's just at the Brad Montague. Yes, pretty sure. And he's hilarious, super inspiring guy to follow. Give him a shout out. Let him know that you heard him on the Story Podcast. And thank you guys again for tuning in. Um, we really appreciate you guys. We love doing these little episodes for you. Thanks again to Kate and Kellen for filling in this week. Uh, it's, been, it's been fun having you guys on, just yeah. to change it up a little bit. And you guys, we'll are, be back. We'll be back. We'll be back. <laughs> Uh-oh. We like the mic. I hope you're, hope you're listening, <laughs> Sammy. Someone's trying to steal here. your mic, Sammy. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.